The following PSA CPSU podcast contains graphic descriptions of violence and harassment. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know are affected by similar circumstances, please contact Lifeline on 13 1114. Hi, it's Jen Adekand Love here, Industrial Officer for the PSA looking after youth justice. We're here today in PSA House talking to a couple of youth officers from the youth justice system on mental health in the workplace. This is Jim Minns, Communications Officer with the PSA. October is Mental Health Month. According to mentalhealthmonth.com, Mental Health Month encourages all of us to think about our mental health and well-being, regardless of whether we may have a lived experience of mental illness or not. The theme for this year is Share the Journey, and as such, the PSA podcast is bringing you a series of discussions throughout the month highlighting the mental health of PSA members in a variety of fields. This episode will be longer than usual and will often confront difficult territory. However, it was important that we take the time to explore these areas so as to give hope and guidance to anyone listening that you are not alone. The first episode we'll be concentrating on is youth justice workers. Here's Gino DeCantelo. Yeah, I think most um, people join the youth justice system because they believe they can help the youth um, get back on track. Um, the youth justice system's about um, enabling these clients to get back into the um, society um, and deal with their issues rather than acting out all the time. So I, think, I believe most youth officers that come into the business are that, they're there for that reason. I've always had an interest in youth. I've uh, I've come from a, a soccer background, and I was a coach and enjoyed teaching and working with young kids. Um, I'm old school. I believe that if you can teach one person, one kid, to kick the ball the right way, that you've done your job. You don't have to have a winning team every year to be a successful coach. Um, and I thought youth justice was along the same. Or well, back in my days, with juvenile justice was along the same lines. That if I get one person on track in the time that I'm there, I think I've done my job. We had set up a circular meeting space on level 10, microphones on, and before we knew it, we had begun. In the beginning, I really thought I could make a difference. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people go in with that, the big doughy-eyed, I can make a difference to these kids. Um, but as the years have progressed, the likelihood of me making a positive impact has lessened because I think that um, the crimes have become worse, the punishments have certainly uh, increased in some instances and the willingness of young people now to perpetuate serious damage to workers has magnified massively, uh, probably ten times worse than when I started in 2000. It's, they have the capacity now, uh, and recent accounts uh, will, will back that up, of... of committing death and it was it was always a thought in my mind that it was only a matter of time at Frank Baxter before someone was killed whether that be a, a worker or a detainee. I've been looking to get out for quite a while yeah. it's just that it wasn't feasible with a mortgage and kids and things like that so so for me that's been the biggest change in, the, in, in, our, in our job is that back in the day I can remember kids who I used to work with closely and 
and try and get somewhere with them, do case conferences and all that sort of stuff. And, and you, you'd learn about them and you'd meet their families and, and work with them. And these days it's just a, they're little brats and they go out there and they just they know their rules and rights and they know they can get away with stuff. The bail laws have been changed and we're only getting the worst of the worst in the state now. So we used to have up to 600 or five, between five and 600 youths in detention. Now we've only got 250 to 260 on average. So it's a higher concentration of the, the harder type of kids, the more volatile ones. This small group doesn't have any respect. Um, but when they try and put a bad apple in a good basket, the rest of the basket's going to go bad and that's the department's mantra now is to put a bad one with a group of good ones hoping that the good ones will turn that bad one and that hasn't been working and that's where the respect's been lost, that they don't respect the staff anymore and the bad ones are really causing bad issues and that's as we saw in the, was the 9th of July riot where they turned on their own, they turned on the, the sex offenders that had been locked up and there was almost a death. I mean it's probably by the grace of God there wasn't a death. The whole climate's changed but the department's attitude hasn't changed in how they want to deal with it. They want to deal with it softly, softly, reward, 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 and no consequences for their action. And that's when the, the clients, as they like to call them, or the juveniles, the youths, they, they don't have the respect anymore because there's no consequences for their action. And I see that um, the staff, or our members, are really struggling with that part of it, um, not having any consequences. They can be spat at, they can be punched, king hit from behind, and if you do that in the street, there's a the king hit law, they're not getting one punch law, but inside if they do that, it doesn't seem to um, stand in, in, on the inside for some reason. We had one member that was king hit, the kid didn't get charged. staff member gets, and it's happened to me, you get spat in the mouth or in the face, your natural reaction is to, to stop from happening again. Where the policy or the procedure and the training you get might be, I oh, know you're not supposed to do that, you're supposed to take a step back and say, please don't do that, you know, that's disgusting or whatever. That's the training they expect you to have. Um, and I think any normal human being would react in the same way and say, enough's enough. It's not going to happen again, you just, just stop that person from doing it. You're in an environment where you have to react. If you, if, you know, and, and I think the, you know, the best thing is you, you need to be able to react quickly. Um, and I can speak from experience when an incident goes down, when something happens and you're right there and it's right in front of you or it happens to you, I, I can say 100% there is no thought. It is pure reaction. And whatever you do and however you act, it's just pure instinct. You haven't got time for that negotiation. Please don't spit in my mouth. You've got to react. Yeah. Mm. They do it once and you sit there and look at them and say, don't do it again, they do it again. Yeah. So you've got to physically stop that from happening. And we have incidents also, it's not a matter of spitting in your mouth, but we had one, one young person recently who loved to chew on the inside of his mouth and spit the blood in your face. Uh, you're facing that one as well, and, and we've got, that happened to a young worker who had a wife and two children. Now they've got to have tests. It's, I think it's 12 weeks or something now. To, three months minimum. Three months minimum. Been there three times. But you, you've had that, you? Limited contact with your family. 
worried about you know what what could happen. It affects you massively in, you know, when you get spat in the face. And they wonder why you um, contract PTSD. Don't wonder. Understand that it's going to happen. And that's one of the problems, I think, today with mental health in the workplace is people don't expect it to happen in these high-contact um, occupations. And it is going to happen. We'll be right back. The strength and effectiveness of the union depends on you and your colleagues standing together. If you work in the New South Wales public service and the federal system, consider joining the PSA CPSU New South Wales. This movement is striving to make New South Wales and Australia a better place for all working people. United we bargain, divided we beg. Head to psa.asn.au forward slash join. Protect yourself and make a difference. Welcome back to the podcast. For Mental Health Month, the theme is Share the Journey. We continue with our frank and confronting conversations with New South Wales youth justice workers on their experiences in the job and how it affects their mental health. There's there's probably uh, quite a few people in my workplace being diagnosed with PTSD. Um, I, I would admit that I was one of those people, I am one of those people, but my main concern is that there are so many undiagnosed and if, if people um, need, they need to do something about it, they need to, to speak to somebody. They, they, if, if you're suffering in the workplace, the suffering ends now because you need to contact someone. You need to stop somebody. You need to talk to a colleague or a manager or your PSA rep or your union rep, as it were, your POVBs or whoever, but you need to speak to somebody. There's no need to do it hard and do it in silence. You don't have to do that. There's a better way, and the better way is to speak to somebody. That's the best way. When you're in the workplace, you don't know it, obviously. It's just, and as a bloke, just get over it, move on. Just can't do what you got to do. Stop, you know. Stop being a soap. Yeah, like that. That's how I think of myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. not not to other people, but that's what it is. Going, you know, you sort of man up and go and do what you got to do. And I never even thought about it when I was up there. Working. Didn't even realise that um, that this sort of thing was going on. And when I was Told when when someone said to me, "You are suffering from PTSD," I argued with him. I said, "No, I'm not." I disagreed, and I said, "No, it's not me. That's that's for people who have been to war and seen people die, or police officers, or firemen who have seen dead people and things like that. That's not for someone who just goes in to work and deals with, you know, belligerent kids." Um, and it took a long time, like months, for me to come around and think, and, and, and going through all the little different things that were said about how I was behaving, how I was at home, how I was reacting to my own family, 
it took a long time for me to accept that, yeah, I possibly might have had something wrong with me. And that was hard to accept, but you've, you've got a weakness. Uh, as, a, as a bloke who goes out and does, you know, average sort of person, I just, I didn't want to admit that I had a weakness, I suppose, in one sense. And that's the hardest thing. So first of all, you don't realise it. Second of all, it's really hard to admit that there might be something wrong with you. And every time you don't admit there's something wrong with you, another layer comes on, mm. and another layer, and another layer, and it just layers up till it's weighs you down, and it's just in the end, it's just in the end you snap. You snap. Yeah. I would encourage anyone who is assaulted to. I think it should be a minimum three months that they that they um, are supported and given time to recover. Um, you know, to get through that. And you know what, if, if they don't feel comfortable when they go back on... I've had times off where I've had three months off and I've gone back and felt like I've only had three days off. I actually took some leave without pay one time, like years ago, to build my own house and went back after having three months off and felt like I'd only had three days because it was all the same old stuff. But, you know, if someone something happens, if they have an incident, they get assaulted or even just repeated stresses... They should be fully supported. They take as much time as they need to recover and there shouldn't be any pressure or stimulus on returning too early or I'd encourage anyone who gets you know, assaulted to just take as much, at least a minimum three months, I'd say. I think it's a, the challenge here too is not just to let the individual members or staff realise that they've got a, a mental health issue. I suppose it's the department needs to recognise or the government needs to recognise that these sort of jobs do have mental health issues. Um, the, the department doesn't have a mental health plan in place as far as I'm aware um, yes they have EAPS um, uh, which most members report that it's they're pretty useless, we've had one well, self-referral too it's self-referral which makes it hard because if people aren't acknowledging that they've got a sickness, how can they self-refer themselves um, but also I've heard reports where members have rang up and the person on the other end of the phone has just said well you need to find a different job and that's that's the support, that's your eats. Seriously, like you know, it's, they're supposed to be supporting him to to get through that job, not just say go and find another job. Obviously, you're not suited to it, or it doesn't suit you, I and mean, that's that's not what it's there for. Well, I don't think it is, but yeah. Well, it's not easy just to go and find another job, but like I said, I've been looking yeah. for a while to get out and trying to do things, and yeah. it wasn't easy to find somewhere I could maintain the quality of life mm-hmm. that I was, you know, used to. Yeah. One of the things, that, when I had to contact them once, the lady said, I said, look, can I call you another time? I'm, I'm just in the club at the moment. I was conducting a, um, an auction, a charity auction. And she said, well, do you really think drinking's the answer? And I said, you're talking to a person who doesn't drink. Thanks for assuming I'm a drunk. Now, it's really important when you're doing work cover work or return to works that the, the psychi- psychologist you see is work cover accredited. They're fully aware of the system, of the policies and procedures, the laws around it, and they can give you the very best advice. So if you do need to see someone, absolutely make sure that it's a work cover accredited psychologist. That doesn't have to be through the Senate. It doesn't have to be through the, the, the government provided Benistar or EAPS or whatever they like to call themselves nowadays. Yeah. Uh, you can go, you just go to your GP. I was referred by my GP to these people and they were brilliant. 
of the 19 years, there's two statements that, that still sit here. They, they don't go away. They're there all the time. Uh, one was when my when I went off work with, and then diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, my unit, my leading hand said to me that morning, "What good are you to me?" Because I was on reduced duties, limited duties. I couldn't operate one-on-one with a kid. And his response was, well, what good are you to me? So I just packed my bag and went. I'm obviously no good to anybody. And the process started where I was off a year and a half. So it was just the word. When I tried to come back to work from that incident, I walked into a unit and a fellow youth officer said to me, he turned around and saw me come through the door and in front of all the boys and all the other staff, Oh, here comes old Crimea River. And that's one of the big things when you're not made to feel... And JJ is a hard place to fit into. If you're a new worker, you're shit. Sorry. It takes a long time for people... You have to earn your stripes. ...to accept you. And that's another thing that leads to people feeling insecure and unwanted and, and, and am I in the right place... Um, the, the lack of welcome, uh, the lack of inductions. We do, we do induction. The induction at Baxter was there's your keys, there's the toilet. I suppose, you know, like this sort of thing's a little bit of a start, just sort of a bit of awareness. Yeah. It might make some people think about it. Like, a, like I said, I never thought of this sort of thing for myself. And even when it was put to me, I didn't admit it, didn't want to admit it, and didn't want to accept it. Um, so I suppose just letting people, I guess, even right now sitting here and what I'm about to say feels a bit weak, I suppose, but, you know, um, telling people that, you know, something, you know, they need to keep an eye on it and, and being the person that says, you know, that happens and you need to you need to think about it. I suppose. It's just um, the stigma. The stigma of having something wrong with you or something or letting something get to you or, you know, not not being able to beat something. Um, maybe that comes from being a competitive person that you don't want to be beaten by anything, but um, you know, it's just that stigma of feeling a bit weak or a bit um, defeated. And from there, our time ended. Later in the day, I asked Gino DeCantolo to summarise his thoughts from the discussion. Well, that was a really good, I think, for the, the two youth officers to come in today. I think, they, um, I think it would probably help them um, realise that I think they struggled with the fact that they did have a um, mental health issue at work, but uh, once they've been diagnosed with it, I think they understand that they it's the stigma around mental health um, needs to be out there more. I think that's why they came in today, probably hoping that they could get something out of it, but they were a little bit, especially one of them was very tentative about coming in, not sure if he was doing the right thing, but he himself has said that he argued with his doctor to say that he didn't have PTSD 
now that he's accepted it, he sees, sees that it is PTSD and he's accepted that. I changed jobs eight years ago to come to this job and I think now that I look back on it after speaking to these two today, I realised that I was probably heading down that PTSD road as well with my mental health and getting out was a good opportunity to, to clear my head and start again. So looking back, I probably should have been diagnosed earlier as well with having it, but I think now that I'm out of that system but still dealing with looking after the members, it still, it still does touch me a lot. Um, so yeah, helping my ex-colleagues and some of them have been are now friends, I think talking about it has really helped just not just them but me understand it better. We wish to thank all those that participated in this difficult yet rewarding discussion. Don't forget to get in touch with Lifeline if any of what you have heard here needs to be addressed in your situation on 131114. This is a weekly podcast and you can subscribe to the PSA CPSU podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jim Minns. Thanks again and you'll hear from us next week.
This is a weekly podcast and you can subscribe to the PSA CPSU podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jim Minns. Thanks again and you'll hear from us next week. Thank you.